Entering the 2023 season, it was expected that Dan Lanning and Oregon football would improve off of their 10-3 and campaign in 2022. And the Ducks did just that. They went 12-2 and with an 8-1 and record in Pac-12 conference play. They beat Liberty 45-6 to in the Fiesta Bowl, losing the best group of five team as their sounding board. And the only lowlights of the season were the two losses to Oregon's rival to the north, the Washington Huskies. Oregon lost to Washington 33-36 and 31-34 in the regular season and Pac-12 championship game, respectively. But Oregon finished with a 12-2 record regardless, beat everyone else. In fact, they beat everyone else by two scores or more outside of Texas Tech in Week 2. And Washington finished as national title runner-ups, so there's no shame in losing to that elite of an opponent. And the Huskies last year with Kalen DeBoer, Michael Penix, one of the nation's best offenses, they were an elite team. But Oregon last year was teetering on being elite, and power rankings would suggest that they were elite, as they finished third in Bill Connolly's S&P Plus rankings last season. Much of that production, as we're going to talk about today, returns for 2024, along with almost all of Dan Lanning's assistants and Dan Lanning himself after he was incorrectly linked to the Alabama head coaching job. But what I want to focus on today is whether Oregon is ready for the Big Ten Conference. But before we dive deep into that and discuss Oregon's strengths and weaknesses in terms of mainly their 2024 roster, but also where I think their program is and what their identity is, please make sure to hit that like button, also subscribe to the channel, and most importantly, click the notification bell. That way you can be notified when I release more Oregon football content, Big Ten football content, and college football content as a whole. There's a lot that me and my team, or my team and I, that's grammatically correct there, are working on to help include the former Pac-12 teams into the Big Ten, which means that your team colors will be themed in college football with Sam t-shirts. That's right, USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington fans. There will be merchandise dedicated to your teams, just like there is merchandise dedicated to what once was all the 14 Big Ten teams. Now we have 18 of them. So welcome to the Big Ten This is the best Big Ten football channel on YouTube, and if you want to support my work and gain some access to bonus content, you can check out my Patreon page via the link in the description or the pinned comment, and my merchandise store where you can get your theme, your team-themed t-shirt with the College Football with Sam logo coming soon for Oregon, Washington, USC, and UCLA fans. That's also in the description and in the pinned comment. If you're a fan of any other Big Ten team outside of those four, merchandise for your teams available now for the four former Pac-12 schools, that is coming as soon as possible. Same with some templates that I will work in with videos, which hopefully will allow me to get out a Big Ten predictions video next week, along with a Top 25 video shortly afterward which Oregon's going to be featured in the top 25, and they're going to be ranked highly in my Big Ten predictions. I will give you that hint. Before we dive any deeper as well, I want to show appreciation to my supporters on Patreon. 
Thanks to Heisman member Crash2488, All-American members Spencer Bringhurst, Chris Lane, and SFS Inverted, and all-conference members Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Gnome, Matthew Sale, Austin Christmas, Zubin Zah, and Janisha Cockrell. Members who are no longer active will be removed at the end of every month from this template here, from this image, and those who join, your name will be added at the beginning of every week. Thank you so much for your support, whether it's on YouTube, Patreon, or Spotify, or any other site which this show operates on. In order to talk about 2024 accurately, we always have to gather information about what the 2024 team might look like. Now, a lot of this is speculative at the moment because the second transfer portal window hasn't opened yet. And knowing how the past really three seasons, but two, you could say three though, have functioned, the transfer portal is pretty darn important. And it's known to open up really April 15th to 30th. That's really the biggest window in my mind. I know that there's a lot of impact transfers who come from the winter, but it's always intriguing to see who leaves the programs in the spring and speculate as to why or figure out why. It's so critical to have your roster mostly set in stone in spring. If you lose transfers in the winter, you have time, you really have almost a year of time to get the new players up and running in their different positions. If players leave en masse or a star player leaves in spring, you have significantly less time and they've missed training, strength and conditioning, and much of the preseason, half or more, and that makes it harder for the coaching staff and the rest of the team. I don't anticipate, though, that Oregon is going to be one of those teams that loses many transfers in the spring. I think that those who have or who want to move on from Oregon and who have moved on from Oregon, either in their heads or physically by transferring out, are already gone. I don't think that Oregon will suffer much more attrition post-spring ball. Some, that's probably likely, but I don't think you will see a lot of outgoing transfers. And that bodes good news, because Oregon already ranks 28th nationally in returning production, and they're 7th in the Big Ten in this category. Now, there are many other Big Ten teams, obviously. You're 7th in returning production, that means there are 6 Big Ten teams that are ahead of you. But these Big Ten teams are Nebraska, Northwestern, Rutgers, they are Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Penn State at 23rd. Penn State is the only team out of all of those six who have comparable talent to Oregon from a recruiting basis, but also from a basis of consistently developing NFL content in recent memory. And by recent memory, I mean two, three, four years, mostly airing to the latter, three or four years. But the COVID year was weird, so really until 2024 concludes, I'm going to be talking mostly about three years. Because 2020, even though it was critical, and I think it should count, and I think people who say it doesn't count, you should look at the coaches that got fired during that year, or look at Jim Harbaugh in Michigan and how the changes they made were really tied to 
I think that whole pandemic impacting football, I think if Michigan went eight and four or seven and five that season, which they probably would have if the season was never canceled and if they had cupcake non-conference games, Jim Harbaugh probably doesn't make the necessary changes or doesn't make as radical of moves as he did that put Michigan on the path to winning it all. But for Oregon to have great amounts of returning production, they return 69% of their production overall from 2023, 68% on offense, 70% on defense. They're more talented than Penn State via recruiting rankings. I personally think at this current moment that Penn State has the best combination of returning production and talent. I could be wrong there, but I've seen Penn State play in the Big Ten. I've seen them really last year field an elite defense and a better offensive line than what's typical for a James Franklin program. And with Oregon, they have more talent than Penn State, but I need to see how they do. And I think this is an understandable position. I need to see how they do in 2024 before I can say if returning production numbers are ever similar again for Oregon and Penn State. Yeah, I give Oregon the edge in terms of returning production, in terms of of staff, strength and conditioning, and in terms of recruiting. Oregon already has an edge over Penn State in recruiting. They have an edge over Michigan in recruiting. The only program right now in the Big Ten that recruits better than Oregon is Ohio State, and Oregon just aced the Buckeyes in high school recruiting. They have the Big Ten's number one high school recruiting class, and that's a credit to Dan Lanning and the fact that he has results, he has charisma, he has great leadership skills, he commands his locker room with authority and with wisdom. He's a great coach. He's a rising star. He, How I view Dan Lanning is how I probably viewed Ryan Day two years ago, where he's quickly, quickly rising through the ranks. And Ryan Day has an opportunity to restore that kind of intense, immense optimism. I still hold him in very high regard. I think right now he's a better coach than Dan Lanning. But more on that in a different episode. We're talking about Oregon here. Oregon returns key starters. You would expect that with returning production, but production and starters are different. Production is based off of statistics like offensive line snaps, total yards, total touchdowns, total tackles, sacks, interceptions. Returning production is more of a statistically based formula. Took a little long to say. It's more of a statistically based formula for returning starters, while returning starters is just how many names in the starting lineup are coming back. Oregon starters, Tez Johnson, Josh Connerly Jr., Johnny Cornelius, Terrence Ferguson, and I count Jordan James as a rotational player slash starter. He played a lot alongside of Bucky Irving, very impressive. Gary Bryant Jr. also played as well. I think he started last year. Will Stein returns offensive linemen, he returns tight ends, receivers, running backs, and Dylan Gabriel comes in along with Dante Moore. Two talented quarterbacks, Dante Moore being a five-star of high school, Dylan Gabriel being a proven starter and winner. Winning at UCF, winning at Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma fans didn't like him a lot from the few I interacted with. But Dylan Gabriel, despite not being the best quarterback in the world, was not the problem at Oklahoma. 
or UCF that was more so on the defensive side of the football. Speaking of defense, Tosh Lupoy returns Jordan Birch, which was a surprise to me. Didn't think that Jordan Birch would return. And he also returns a few key defensive backs and linebacker Jeffrey Bassa. Jalo Florence returns along with Nico Reed, the nickelback. The strengths of this team, just looking at this from a returning production standpoint and also from talent and staff retention. Staff retention allows us to view this team more similarly to last season than if they lost, let's say, all of their coaches and the coaches they brought in were philosophically different. We know who Will Stein is. We know who Tosh Lupoy is, not just from his time at Oregon, but Alabama. Last year, Oregon scored 44.2 points per game and only allowed 16.5 points per game. Top 10 in both scoring offense, second in the country, and scoring defense, ninth in the country. I think Oregon is deep at all positions. They have elite offensive line play. By the way, both of those bode extremely well for the Big Ten, where you have to have elite offensive line play to succeed at the highest level. You have to be deep. An elite rushing attack in the Big Ten is an absolute plus, but Ohio State has shown in 21 and 22 that with an elite passing offense, if your rushing offense is hit or miss, if you have an elite passing offense, you can do rather well. It's just you have to have a defense, which in those years Ohio State did not have an elite defense. Speed, this is something that hasn't worked a ton in the Big Ten. Scott Frost wanted to introduce speed, and eh, didn't work. Ryan Day, all about speed, all about eye candy, and his offenses have had to evolve, and I think in some cases he was too reactive with last year's team for Ohio State not having a ton of speed outside of Henderson and Marvin Harrison Jr. Michigan, outside of last season, didn't have much speed in 2021 or 2022. Outside of defense, and more specifically the running back position. When I talk about speed, most of the time I think offense, but Oregon does have speed on the defensive side of the ball. They have SEC athletes everywhere, and that's because Dan Landing's trying to build an SEC-slash-Big Ten program at Oregon. Some weaknesses for this team, I think they're few and far between. When I say upside at quarterback, I don't mean the quarterback position as a whole is a weakness. I think that Dylan Gabriel will more likely than not be the best quarterback in the Big Ten. That opinion of mine might change in a week because I think Big Ten quarterbacks overall are well weak, for lack of a better term, or underperforming at a national level, especially with Kyle McCord, J.J. McCarthy leaving and McCarthy really playing at the highest level by a mile last season in the conference. Defensive back depth is also a concern because Oregon loses starters Kyrie Jackson, Evan Williams, they lose Steve Stevens IV, but Taishim Johnson was a starter there. It's another starter that's returning at the defensive back area. Oregon did have problems last year at times defending the pass, especially against Washington, but there were very few defenses that could slow down Washington's passing offenses. So the weaknesses, few and far between, I would ultimately say. And I think the Ducks are Big Ten ready overall. They were the most dominant team last year and the most talented team in the Pac-12. Those are two pretty big indicators for success, talent, and then you can't measure dominance in the preseason, 
but you can measure it as time goes on, and it was pretty clear middle by middle of last season that Oregon was a, a dominant football program. I mean, they hadn't played anyone before Washington, but the way they beat Hawaii, Colorado, Stanford, Portland State, and how they were able to rebound against Texas Tech, those were all the marks of, at worst, a great team, a top 15 team. The way they played against Washington solidified the fact that they were a top 10 team, how they beat down Utah on the road, Cal at home. They toyed with USC like a cat toying with a mouse, crushed Arizona State, who Arizona State was finding ways to keep it close with everyone, and their dominance of Oregon State further solidified that this probably isn't just a top 10 team, but a top 5 team. And they were ranked top 5. I thought they were top 5. In fact, Despite picking Washington to beat Oregon last year in the regular season and being correct, I incorrectly predicted that Oregon would beat Washington in the rematch because they looked better, and Oregon was deeper in terms of talent, and Washington was suffering with injuries in the offensive line and also with Michael Penix. But alas, Washington took control of the Pac-12 championship game in a more impressive fashion than they took control of their previous matchup against Oregon in Husky Stadium. But when your two lowlights are losing twice, I know losing twice is painful. Landing right now is an 0-3 record against Kalen DeBoer, 0-3 against Washington as a whole. It's painful. But that team went on to go 14-1. They toyed with Texas. That should not have been a one-score game. And they lost to Michigan, their only loss, the national champions in the national championship game. Oregon has an upward trajectory for sure, and being top 30 in returning production is absolutely great. And in ESPN's way-too-early top 25, along with Bill Connolly's preseason 2024 S&P Plus, Oregon's ranked, I think, in the top three or top four of both. I know Oregon's third in preseason S&P Plus, and from what I can tell, I think that they are expected to improve compared to their... I think they're expected to slightly improve compared to last season. I don't know about that, but again, it's early. This is the final day of February. These teams are not even close to being figured out. We haven't even watched spring ball, spring practice, summer camp is far away. But Oregon's not just ready because of their past dominance, their history under their current coaching staff. There's consistency there. They're also reaping the rewards of good recruiting. They're bringing in the Big Ten's number two overall recruiting class. They have 38 total players enrolling for this Oregon team. And overall, number four class nationally, one five-star, 27 four-stars, 10 three-stars. And they have a better recruiting class than everyone in the Big Ten, except Ohio State. And even though Ohio State, because they have Six five-stars coming in, 17 four-stars, four three-stars. Their average rank per recruit is almost 1.5 points higher, which is extremely impressive. Oregon is bringing in more bodies, and something that I will say about Ohio State, I know this is an Oregon episode, but Oregon in their recruiting is reminding me just from a numbers standpoint of Michigan, where Michigan was almost focusing more on quantity 
and Ohio State was almost so seems so in recruiting so hyper focused on quality, and you need to do both. Michigan, because their developmental staff in the past, and I would say still present, was so good, they could focus on quantity and they would find diamonds in the rough or they would make you into a diamond. I mean, look at look at Mikey Sainer still viewed as an undersized corner, was an all-American caliber player at Michigan, or Michigan's offensive linemen and much of their defense being three stars or lower graded four stars in some cases, like really outside of Junior Colson and Will Johnson and Keon Sapp. Oregon, with what Dan Lanning is doing, they're very impressive developmentally. They're sound at the offensive line. They're improving on defense. Defensive line play was a concern in 2022. That wasn't the same in 2023. Much better, I expect, with some portal additions and Jordan Birch coming back. That will continue to improve. Just from a number standpoint, it's important in the portal to have extra bodies, to have depth. And Ohio State, they've struggled with injuries. And when injuries come up for Ohio State, sometimes that focus on quality rather than quantity shows in a not-so-good way. And that's what happens when you recruit medium-sized, I mean, now medium-sized classes, and you don't have an elite strength and conditioning program, and parts of your staff developmentally have questions, is you you get Ohio State, where they have some players who are insanely good, that's what happens when you recruit at that level, and Ohio State still develops in a lot of places at an elite level, but in other areas, they have questions on their staff. And they don't have the same amount of bodies, in my opinion, that let's say Michigan does. This season, Michigan doesn't because of attrition, but maybe Oregon takes that role because they're bringing, they're bringing boatloads of players in every year using the portal and being willing to absorb guys and just say, you know, come on in. We, we, need, we need your contribution. And maybe some will transfer out. Maybe they need to slim down the roster, but it's better to do that than realize that you have empty spots. Empty spots are never good, especially in a sport this competitive and this tough. The Ducks have developed well on offense. They're improving on defense. I think quarterback, running back, and O-line are the developmental strengths of Oregon on offense. Look at what Will Stein did with Bo Nix. I imagine that Dylan Gabriel will have his best season of college football ever. Jordan James at running back, and combine that with an incoming transfer at that position, whose name currently escapes me, and Jaden Lamar and Noah Whittington. That's an extremely deep room. And at the offensive line, I have no doubt that a Johnny Cornelius and Josh Connerly Jr. will probably be one of the best, if not the best, tackle rooms in the country. Marcus Harper the second, and Nishad Strother will be a good guard duo, and Epani. Lalaulu, hopefully I got that name right, he will likely be a good center as he's currently the projected starter there according to rlads.com. And on defense, Jordan Birch coming back is absolutely massive. There's an incoming transfer along the defensive line in Jamari Caldwell, who's rated as a 93 overall player from Houston, transferring in as a defensive lineman. Kobe Savage at safety is transferring in from Kansas State. 
Brandon Johnson's transferring in from Duke at corner, Cam Alexander, 90 overall player, transferring in from UTSA, and Jabbar Muhammad from Washington is transferring in to Oregon. So there will be a lot of talent in that starting lineup at defensive back. Again, depth, I think, could be a concern, but maybe upon doing further research and watching the spring game for Oregon and reading up upon them from what insiders are saying, that could be alleviated. I could easily see that. Um, But I do think overall, from a national standpoint, Oregon is set in terms of starting experience and depth at every position. It's just in the Big Ten, and especially with Ohio State, I think, with Andy Kotelnicki at Penn State, And even in comparison to Oregon's depth at other positions, I do think that the secondary could be thin. The more I think about it, though, especially with that Jabbar Muhammad edition, maybe that opinion of mine was misguided. But at the current moment, I'm not ready to refute that. Oregon's schedule outside of Ohio State and Michigan. There's not really anyone that they face except for maybe Wisconsin, and obviously rival Washington at the end of the season that I really care about. Oregon hosts Ohio State. They play at Michigan. Those are tests against elite programs. We'll see how Oregon holds up against both of them. I don't think Oregon necessarily needs to win one or both of those games to prove they belong in the Big Ten. They just need to compete and not get blown out, and I don't think they'll get blown out by either of those teams. Um, And the improvements on defense, the stronger D-line, key DBs coming in in the portal and developing them well. Look at Christian Gonzalez, look at Jalil Florence, and look how they're recruiting there, Kyrie Jackson's play. What's not to like about Oregon right now under Dan Lanning? They have the coaching, the talent, the depth, and the conditioning, I think, to thrive in the Big Ten. And they are up there, in my opinion, in Tier 1, with teams who can compete not just for a Big Ten championship, but for a national championship this coming season in the Big Ten. That's all I have to say here on College Football with Sam, and thank you so much for watching this video. Again, thanks to Crash2488 for being a Heisman member, Spencer Bringhurst, Chris Lane, and SFS Inverted for being All-American members, and thanks to Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Gnome, Matthew Sale, Austin Christmas, Zubin Zah, and Janisha Cockrell for being all conference members. Have a great day, guys, and go Ducks, and I will see you all around. Bye-bye.